Holly G with the Golf Insiders, live from the PGA Championship in Rochester, New York. Yes, I will brag, this is my hometown and my home course, Oak Hill Country Club, and I couldn't be having more fun. Uh, but I'll tell you what isn't a lot of fun is um, the weather today. It's rather chilly. Not a lot of players that were out there practicing this morning, but it's going to play tough over the next four days. And my special guest is Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel, who is always is doing triple duty uh, at this major championship. And just your thoughts, Todd, so far on the golf course and the changes they made. Well, first, yeah, your hometown event, uh, as I like to call it, is fantastic. The golf course is looks very difficult, but at the same time, from the players that I've talked to, it's very fair. Uh, so I think that is just a great testament to Oak Hill, a great testament to PGA of America as well. Um, the rough is going to be the big story here this week. The rough is not very high. It's only three inches. It's a blend of three grasses, rye, poana, and Kentucky bluegrass, but it has so much density um, that if you hit it there, uh, players have been telling me, players and caddies, you can you can maybe go for the green with an eight iron, nine iron wedge, um, but after, you know, a seven iron and backwards, you're just you're just chunking it out and trying to save par in some way. So you, we're seeing nine woods being put in the bag. Some players they just try to hit it as far as they can out of the rough. rough. Uh, so I think that's going to be the big story. But it is this is a fantastic test for the world's greatest players, no doubt. So one player who's adopted, I guess, Rochester is his hometown hmm. uh, for good reason. Uh, he got married to. Uh, a hometown girl here in Pittsburgh, New York, Rory McIlroy. Mm -hmm. uh, you think having played Oak Hill a few times will be an advantage for him? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so because he hasn't played it in this, in these conditions, these championship conditions. Uh, he even admitted that you know it's not going to be that much of an advantage for him at all, if, if any. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how Rory is going to perform. Um, I've been covering Rory with Golf Channel for 15 years. I've never seen him more, for lack of a better term, focused and angry. I was just going to say pissed off. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, you can say that. I, and I'm, you know, this is a podcast. So, so I get, um, yeah. He. I mean, and that's a battle with him because he is innately not that guy. He is. He's a sweetheart of a guy. Um, but I he think was terse in that press conference. Oh yeah, he's he, he's upset. Uh, a the way he's been playing, and I think that's his primary focus. But he's upset that I, I don't feel as if he is getting the respect, maybe um, because of what he has done for the PGA Tour. He doesn't feel valued by some of the players. He feels like you know I've been carrying the load and I've been I've been catching the brunt of the criticism. Um, as well, so I, I feel like he just wants to dive into golf and golf only right now, and that's made him frustrated and angry. And, and I don't know if that's good or bad. We're going to find out here this week. Yeah, and, and what a year it was, and and his play matched the talking, right? But at some point, and I think you know we saw it at Augusta. Man, you know the guy just needed a timeout, right? And but you know, and he did. Um, but if you look back historically. He normally doesn't play from the Masters until Wells Fargo. So this is nothing that he hasn't done before. The difference is, of course, that he missed a designated event, which cost him $3 million. Um, 
and and that's just the difference. Um, but he did lead the, from a player's perspective and a PGA Tour perspective to create these designated events. So there is a little bit of irony to say the least in that. But but that's the normal break he takes. Um, he just didn't really want to go to a golf course. I feel like after the Masters disappointment. We are at a time on a PGA Tour where the tour is so deep. I mean, we could probably talk about 15 players that have the chance to potentially win this major. Um, who are the ones that are on your radar? Oh, John Rahm. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you, this guy. This, I mean, you look at the stats he has. He's number one in scoring average, non, number one in par three scoring, number one in par five scoring, number one in birdie average. He's seventh in strokes gained putting. He's Checking all third, third in greens of regulation on the PGA Tour. I mean, that's through the bag. Par threes, he's great. He's the best. Par fives, he's the best. He leads the touring eagles. I mean, he is walking around, dare I say this, dare I say this, but he is walking around with as much confidence, I feel like, as Tiger had in the early 2000s. That's how he's walking around. And I feel like every time he teased up, he's going to win. I will say why I, I... Here's why I'm saying that. His last start was the Mexico Open. And if you look at that field, he and Tony Finau were the highest-ranked players. You know, it's not a designated event. He is the defending champion. You know, it was his heart really into it. Oh, man, i got to go to Mexico. It's not a, you know, not a huge event. And he was there to win. And he nearly did. And Tony Finau outplayed him, but he did not just kind of go down there for a ceremonious. No, he wanted play. to defend. Right, he wanted to win, and so, and I think every time he tees it up, it doesn't matter where it is. He he is out to win, and Tiger had that mentality. Jack Nicklaus had that mentality, and I, I think John Rahm has adapted that as well. He's starting to remind me a lot of the Golden Bear. You know, not only his physical structure, just you know his his whole right. approach as his game now seems to be maturing. Yeah, and, I, and putting is a big key. He has really started to putt well. I mentioned he's top 10 in strokes in putting on the PGA Tour. That that has been kind of the missing link for him to make him an elite player, a consistent elite player. Um, and I, I think I think he's, he's the guy to beat here this week, no doubt about it. Somebody that flies under the radar a little bit, maybe not you know quite as flashy a guy in the press conferences, but boy, does he have game and focus, Patrick Cantley. Yes, I I do like Patrick. I still think him and uh, his new caddy, uh, Joe LaCar, right. are still, you know, ironing on some bugs. Um, but there are several, there, you know, you look at the top six in the world, there are three of them that haven't won a major championship. And Patrick Cantlay is one of them. The other two are Xander Shoffley and Max Homa. And, and Patrick and Xander, both of those guys, have been out here for a while now. And they've got great game. And you've got to think, that this is a weight they are carrying to major championships. Why haven't you won one yet? I mean, you're one of the elite players on the tour. Why have you not won a major yet? And all, and they can dismiss it, and they can, but it's, it's bouncing around in their subconscious. So uh, that's a little bit of a mental block uh, those players have to get through. And we'll see if Patrick Cantley can do it. All right, let's look at a long shot, or not a long shot, especially after a T2 at Augusta. Bill Mickelson. Possible? Well, of course it's possible. Uh, but is it highly possible? I don't know. You know what's interesting about Phil? Uh, look, I, Phil has not lost the game. A year ago, Phil wasn't even playing in this championship. Phil decided to step away from the words he said. Um, and when Up I was... Here. Yeah, and, and 
and when he was at the Masters prior to competition, he was very guarded, very conservative in his words. But man, since he finished second at the Masters, he has been chirping a lot. And um, I I find that to be very interesting, that uh, humility is not longer on the table when it comes to Phil. Now look, he's absolutely speaking up. I'm not faulting him for that. Um, but you know he he is he 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 he's very passionate about his thoughts and and lip golf, uh, and he thrives with a little spark he, of confidence. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I'm 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 interested to see how he performs here this week. All right, Jordan Spieth, another story because he has the potential to complete the Grand Slam. Right. However, wrist injury. I mean, I just one bad swing in that rough, Todd. Yeah, Ouch. but you know, it's it. I. On Tuesday, he came out here for the first time. He went through 70 minutes of a range session through the bag, every club, uh, then went out and played nine holes, and I stood behind him in that range session, and I walked with him the majority of his practice around. He, he looked good. He, I, he was not protecting that wrist. He was engaged with his swing instructor, Cameron McCormick, as, as far as the swing goes. I mean, he had some pretty good shots. I, I think he's going to be okay. That's my gut. Uh, now, granted, he's teeing off on Thursday when it's going to be in the 40s at best uh, when he hits the first tee. Uh, so, you know, cold is never a friend of somebody with an injury. But I I, I think he's, he's, his wrist is going to be okay to play in this championship. At that page in 2019, I was the one that asked Brooks mm-hmm. the question about why do you believe majors are easy to win? And then he gave that very detailed sure. explanation. Um, he was asked that again today. Uh, do you think Brooks is flying a little under the radar? And you know, well, no, I don't because he he finished second at the Masters and he's played well, not live. But I will say this: that will say this that um, he shot 65-67 at Augusta, first two rounds. On the weekend, he shot 73 and 75 in that final round, staring at John Rahm. And I, I wonder if Brooks was either consciously or subconsciously thinking, oh, man, I, I haven't been in this position in a while, and that guy that I'm looking at, John Robb, has as much machismo as me. Um, so you know, what, did he learn something from that? Did he grow from that? Well, you want to hope so if you're Brooks Kapka, or, or do you say, oh, man, is he not the same Brooks Kapka? You know, that's a good question because can you go the distance? well? I mean, here's something to think about. You asked that question about you know, hey, I think it's like 12 to 15 players that I just got to beat out here, but he doesn't play on the PGA Tour anymore. Does he? I mean, you look since he left. What has Max Homa done? Tony Finau is a different player than he was last summer when when Brooks left. You know, he doesn't know these guys' games that he's competing again as well as he did a year ago. So, you know, there's that question that's looming with him. Speaking of live players, DJ, Cam Smith, what do you think of those guys? Same situation uh, or? Well, DJ DJ likes the Northeast. He does. One at Oakmont, uh, nearly one at Beth Page. Travelers. I mean, he won, actually, since you're from this area, here's a little nugget I mean, you didn't know. In 2007, he won the prestigious Monroe Invitational, which is an amateur tournament right down the road here at Monroe Golf Club. Uh, so this this golf course, I think he, and I walked around with him a little bit, I think he likes this setup. Yeah, he, I think he likes this a lot. Um, so I I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix. See, he, DJ, 
doesn't really, you know, he's a confident player, but I don't think he gets into the intricacies of of you know, sports psychology. <laughs> I guess that's the nicest way you can say it. He just doesn't care, you know, and so he's, he's if, them, if there's a guy who just completely lives in the moment, it's Dustin Johnson. And just swings the club yep. and does it well. All right, this is the time where I say throw your dart. Tad Lewis, who's it going to be on Sunday to um, you, lift you, that Wanamaker trophy? You know, I, 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 <laughs> I'm really liking the trend of Xander Schauffele right now. I do think he is ready to cross the threshold and win a major championship. He comes here after a runner-up finish on a big major championship golf course in Coil Hollow. Um, I, I think he at least is going to be in the mix on the back nine Sunday. Dark horse? Yeah. Is it possible on this course? Yeah. Well, I... I want to say Jason Day. But he's going to see the golf course for the very first time tomorrow because he's not playing a practice round, and that's his choice because he wants to conserve his mental and physical uh, energy. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, but if you look at how he has been trending, and I guess you wouldn't call him a dark horse. He's 20th in the world. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jason Day in the mix. Uh, I'm going to give you a name that you may not – like, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I think Sahit Nagala is ready – I think – He's he's I, I, getting to know him and seeing the games he has. I think he has a really nice balance of humility and confidence, um, and, and creativity. And, and I think he, he's you know he's been out here a little while now. You know he's one of the top players out on the PGA Tour. I, I think he's ready to challenge. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think he's ready to challenge a major championship. Love it. So. Uh, Todd, tell my listeners how they can get all the scoops this major week on Golf Channel. Uh, well, uh, well, live from the PGA Championship every night uh, starting Thursday as soon as play is done. We're on for two and a half hours. Myself, Rich Lerner, Brandon Champley, Paul McGinley, uh, Rex Haggard will have a cup of coffee on the show with us. So uh, we'll, we will keep you informed and entertained, I promise. Awesome. Always a pleasure. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. Thanks so much. Thanks, Holly.